Amen. And you can be seated. Unless you want to stand up for the entire service, you're welcome to do that if you want to do that. Uh, so over the past month, we've been talking about this idea of the new normal. And uh, the new normal is uh, because the old normal didn't work. And so we wanted to try to create this atmosphere whereby we could grow a little bit in our faith, uh, grow a little bit in the disciplines uh, of our life. And that's really what these, uh, this last series has been. We didn't want to call it, you know, four disciplines of the Christian walk. That's not at all it because everybody goes, yeah, whatever, check out. I'm not doing disciplines. But that's what this is all about, getting new disciplines in our life so that we have a, a new normal by which we live. We started off with this idea of a new normal of the word of God in our lives. We moved to prayer and had a, had a great time of prayer during, uh, during the week, uh, during the week of prayer. We moved last week to grace, that grace extended through us would be the new normal. And uh, now we're ending with this idea of fasting. We're going to get into exactly what that is here in just a little bit. Um, but uh, what we wanted to do is provide this opportunity for you to be challenged, hopefully, in the way that you view your spiritual life that somehow, some way, you would begin growing and saying, okay, God, that there's a growth that's happening and this new normal in my life is leading me to trust God more. I really appreciate what, uh, what Pastor Eric said a little bit ago, just dealing with our finances, to commit ourselves fully to prayer, to the word, to grace, and now to this idea of fasting. So uh, we measure ourselves against a growing spirituality in our own lives, not necessarily uh, looking at, uh, not necessarily against someone else's life, like I'm in a better position than you, but we're saying, okay, God, how do I need to grow this year? What's a new normal for me? Um, how many of you know there's power in a good meal? Yeah, there's one, one clap. All right, that's good. There is power in a good meal. Uh, when we are hungry, physically, we feel it. And uh, what happens when you're hungry? <laughs> angry. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, you get angry. Some people do. How many of you get hangry? Right? You get hungry, angry. And you're just like, here, eat a sandwich, and then I'll talk with you. <laughs> because right now, this is not going to work. Um, so, so when you get hungry, what happens to your, to your physical body? What starts happening with your stomach? Stomach starts growling. So we're going to do... Have you ever been in an awkward moment when it's very quiet, in a very serious, maybe there's like a moment of silence for something very serious, and all of a sudden, your stomach is the one that growls crazy loud, like 100 decibels, all of a sudden, your stomach is just, go anybody like that? You've had that moment before? So here's what we're going to do, all the nervous people among us, we're going to be silent for just a moment and listen for growling stomachs. One, two, three. <laughs> Not really, okay. You'd have to do it. So this whole idea of the growling stomach, there is a scientific term for this. It's called uh, borborygmy. Borborygmy. So if your stomach is growling, you can just say, don't, it's okay. I've just got borborygmy, you know, and all that stuff. And you can claim that. But we start dreaming of how we're going to fill that, that gap in our reality of my stomach, I'm hungry, I've got a physical pain here associated with, so I'm going to start dreaming about it. And so our dreams go along the lines like this, like I'm dreaming of a steak. Sorry for all the vegans and vegetarians among us, I apologize. Dreaming of a steak or the impossible burger from Burger King, whatever that is. Um, you know, so, ah, yes. Uh, dream of chicken nuggets from McDonald's, Yes. No, no. A good bowl of pho, you know, for those of you who like that. How many of you like that? Because that's like not for me, not at all. No, 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 no. A uh, slice of pizza from Giordano's from Chicago. A donut. Uh, I just want to fill it, right? So we have this moment where that, that physical hunger 
is causing us to desire something. Now, within us also, I think there is something that's much deeper, that we have spiritual hunger <laughs> and that, that we desire and long to fill. And so we have all sorts of ways that we can fill these hungers in our life. On the physical side, lots of choices around us, right? When it comes to the spiritual side, there are also lots of choices, none of them fulfilling except Jesus Christ himself, ultimately. But we try to fill the spiritual hunger in our life with lots of different things. Um, so there is a power in a good meal, when it comes to physical, but there's also power in a good meal when it comes to our spiritual life as well. Timothy, or Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So this idea of godliness and, and spiritual training is something that we need to take seriously. Now, many of you know I'm, I'm currently training for uh, the, uh, uh, the Comrades Marathon, which is a 56-mile uh, run in South Africa in June, so very excited to be doing that, ha. Huh? And um, so as in getting training for this, um, there are certain decisions that I have to make about the diet uh, that I undertake in my life. I cannot eat the same way that I used to eat for, for lots of reasons, uh, not the least of which is I want to be able to complete my runs um, whenever, whenever I'm running that thing, because the food that I eat matters terribly. Um, and I was laughing in preparing this message. So I'm over at Starbucks, which I go there from time to time. And I was over at Starbucks eating or having, having a nice little coffee there. And uh, a family that goes here to Life Church, who remain nameless at this moment, uh, they, they, they showed up and they're there nearly every Wednesday morning. And they showed up and I'm doing a message on fasting, thinking about the diet that I need to have in order to complete uh, the run for the Comrades Marathon. And what do they do? But bring me a donut. <laughs> so this whole time I'm, I'm there all spiritual, the donut's sitting there just calling my name, Rich, 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 <laughs> eat me. This whole time this donut is calling out to me. But I didn't want to be rude and like throw it, it's just weird kind of moment there. And so I'm like, oh Lord. Mm, the tension right now in my heart, Lord, how am I going to do this? And I'm, I'm talking about fasting on Sunday and man, this tastes so good. I just devoured the whole thing. It was really bad. So I don't always make the right choice in that moment. So thank you. You know who you are, uh, family that helped me with this. But in this whole process of spiritual training, right? And, and, uh, and physical training, there's this idea of denying ourselves. We need to deny ourselves. Now, our culture does not like this at all because everything in our culture is built around this ability that we have to get what we want and get it now. We have the distraction all the time of, you know, the shiny new thing or whatever it is and, and the way the social media is set up that, that our thumbs get cramps because we can't stop scrolling. How many of you get stuck scrolling? You're like, I can't stop scrolling because the next thing is going to be better than what I just saw. And then two hours later, you're, you're finally finished watching, uh, you, know, uh, you know, cats on video and chasing dogs or whatever it is in that moment. You're like, what happened? So I've got to deny myself. Sounds familiar. It's uncomfortable. But the Christian life is marked with this, the very central idea of denying ourselves. In fact, Jesus talks about this as a very central core part of what it means to be a disciple. In Matthew chapter 16, it says this, uh, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Denial leads to fulfillment. Losing leads to finding. These, these are paradoxes when it comes to our faith. They don't make sense on the outside. Why would I want to deny myself? Why would I want to lose myself? And yet Jesus says, when we do this, this is when we find, finally, true life and fulfillment. This is what it means to be a disciple, is to deny our own desires. Um, Matthew chapter 4 is a story we read actually at the beginning of this series, uh, dealing with the Word of God, but it, it is bearing for us today. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Um, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. How many of you think you would be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting? But I want you to notice, so this is the context of this, was Jesus had just been baptized. This is the first kind of public declaration of Jesus' ministry that's uh, now going to shape who he is over the next three, three and a half years of his life. And the first thing that happens is denial and isolation. That's the first thing that happens in his life. That first step into that, that further relationship with his father. I mean, all of these things in obedience, it happened through denial of self. So Jesus steps out there for 40 days, and uh, you can watch the first, uh, first week of this series on the Word to find out how Jesus handled that through the Word. Uh, but suffice it to say that it was the fasting in this process of Jesus denying himself that set up the stage for his victory. So I'm calling a 40-day fast. No, I'm not going to do that for the church right now. <laughs> so fasting, it's a lost aspect of Christian faith. Um, it's kind of been, have you noticed this, but it's kind of been commandeered by our culture. In fact, you, there's a lot of studies out there and, and a lot of um, things that have been done that it's kind of a new fad for fasting. Now, there are a lot of health benefits for that. It, well, as a matter of fact, here's this uh, study that I saw out of healthline.com. Intermittent fasting, IF, is currently one of the world's most popular health and fitness trends. People are using it to lose weight, improve their health, and simplify their lifestyles. Many studies show that it can have powerful effects on your body and brain and may even help you to live longer. So fasting is a good thing. There is no doubt that there is nothing wrong with fasting as a discipline when it comes to your health. But what I'm afraid of is that fasting as a discipline to, uh, uh, for your physical health is overshadowing the purpose of what fasting is when it comes to faith when it comes to our Christian walk, when it comes to our disciplines of following after God. So what is a true fast? What exactly should we do if we are to enter into this idea? And today's going to be a little bit teachy, and that is totally fine for us today because I want to correct some things about what fasting has become so that we can make a wise decision in our life so that we have a new normal of what fasting should be in our life. So Isaiah 58 has, to me, one of the best definitions of what fasting is and should be. 
Fasting was a part of the, uh, of the nation of Israel uh, for many, many centuries prior to this uh, happening. And it become, uh, in, in fasting had become such a thing in the nation of Israel that they had missed the point of what it was supposed to be because it had become something far different in their lives. And so this is what happened. So God brings a correction uh, to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah 58 says this, is not this the fast that I choose? It's God speaking. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? And that's to basically saying, don't turn your eyes away from the need. Then it says this, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. So Isaiah brings a different view of fasting, I believe, than what we see in our culture certainly today. There's so much here to shape our experience, and I'm just going to go through uh, four things here for us as we discover a little bit about what fasting is and should be for our life. So why do we fast? Why do we fast? What's our motivation? Uh, because we can have wrong motivation and, and try to make it so that fasting, uh, just like any other parts of our relationship with God, uh, tries to become manipulative uh, to put God in a box and say, God, this is how you have to uh, respond to me. I can think of... Um, now, I, I myself did not necessarily do this, but uh, certainly the temptation is there. Uh, back when, uh, you know, I would be, when I was a younger man, perhaps fasting would mean something like this to me. Say I'm 19 years of age, I'm at Bible college, and I see somebody walking towards me, looking beautiful, and I think to myself, oh Lord, is she the one, or is there another? <laughs> Right. Oh, God, is she the one? So what am I going to start doing as a good Christian young man? I'm going to start fasting. But here's how my fasting would go if I was in that, if I was in that circumstance. You know, you sit down, I'm going to skip my lunch and say, oh, God, you see the, the sacrifice that I am making right now over lunch. And God, what my desire is, is that her heart would be turned towards mine and she would become my wife. Lord, I know that's your will. <laughs> All right. And so we begin to use fasting as some sort of weapon or tool to manipulate God to a particular direction. What about this? God, my car broke down. And so, Lord, I'm going to fast for the finances for my car. And so, God, I know that I spend all of my money on fast food. Lord, I know I spend all my money everywhere else other than where I should. But God, bless me unexpectedly with the ability to buy the $60,000 car on my $10,000 a year pay. Lord, thank you. Right? How often do we do that? That's a little bit ridiculous right there. But how often is that pretty close to home? When the reality is, when we fast, there's a whole different purpose when we fast. The first one is this awareness of our condition. Fasting starts with this awareness of our condition. It puts us in a place of humility. It puts us in a place where we recognize that we are not God, so therefore we do not determine the outcome of our life. 
We're not the ones calling the ultimate shots in our life. What we are, we put ourselves in a position where we say, God, we don't have it all figured out. And so, God, we are putting ourselves where we're saying, Lord, my life is in your hands. And so, God, I'm giving you every bit that I can, including my desires. Right now, my desire to eat. God, my desire to do something else. And I'm sacrificing in this moment because, God, I'm putting myself in a position of humility. God, I'm putting you in first place in my life. If you look through the Old Testament, kings that had to enter into a time of fasting, this was kind of the first place they went. God, I'm giving you everything. Lord, I can't lead this kingdom anymore, and I'm fasting because I'm, I'm coming against a foe that is too big for me. Other prophets that they fasted over a great length of time. In, in the New Testament, you see the church fasting uh, um, in a season where there's poverty, in a season where, there's, um, uh, where there was a famine in the land. They're, they are coming to God in a position saying, Lord, we don't have all the answers. And so, God, we turn to you in humility to be aware of who you are in our position and our relationship with you. So first and foremost is that, that awareness of our condition. The second part of it is this awareness of our desire. Now, what I mean by this is uh, Jesus, there was this time when he was questioned by the disciples of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist had a group of disciples that were following after him. And these disciples came to Jesus and uh, Jesus' own followers and says, then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast? So the Pharisees were another group of uh, religious leaders at the time. Why do we fast? but your disciples do not fast. So the disciples of Christ at the time when Jesus was around, they did not fast at all. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So fasting creates within us an awareness of the longing that we have for Jesus Christ himself. That, that that hunger that we have, and right now, by the way, my stomach is growling thinking about all the food we were talking about earlier. <laughs> and uh, so, it, But it's creating, right, in those moments where we say, God, I'm denying myself. I'm giving up in this moment my right to eat. And that desire that I have is reminding me of my desire for you. Because God, this whole world around me doesn't make sense all the time. God, we know that you want to heal and that desire to see healing rises within me. God, we know you want to save marriages. And so that desire for saved marriages rises within me. God, we know you want to see, see people set free from sin and bondage. And that desire within me rises that Jesus, you would be evident and present in my life today. So when I walk, I'm not walking as myself, but I'm walking as Jesus would walk. I'm keeping in step, as Paul said, I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. I'm doing, God, what you're desiring me to do. And that's what fasting does within us, reminds us of that desire. So we fast out of a longing for God, recognizing we put our bodies under subjection of devotion and denial. The result is a deeper commitment to the things of God. So it's not about us. It's about him. Now, this next one was one that was super challenging to me, um, and I think part of it is, is because our culture allows us to read Scripture in a particular way. And um, can you go back uh, to, the, uh, to the Isaiah passage again for us? And this is, listen, listen to what it says, and this is what I think we, how we typically uh, will uh, interpret this uh, scripture. And I'm going to read it up here. Is not this the kind of fast that I choose, remember God speaking, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. 
Now, typically when we read this from, a, from an American Christian Western mindset, who do we think about when we read this? We think about ourselves. God, there are chains in my life. There's bondages in my life. There's yokes. There's things that hold me back from, from, I know, God, there's things that hold me back from the good things that you want in my life. So God, break these things off of my life. I don't think there's anything wrong with praying that. I really don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that part of the fast being that direction. But the context of Isaiah is something far different than that. What Isaiah is talking about is he's looking outward into the cultural norms that lead to oppression, that lead to the division of the powerful from the powerless, that lead to those who are marginalized and those that are broken and systems and business that take advantage of that. And it's Isaiah saying through God, right, um, going, all right, we've got to take a look when we fast that we take a look at the world around us and say, God, how am I participating in that And God, what needs to break in my life so that I am not among those who are the oppressors? So that God, I'm not among those as a business owner who is leading to the oppression of those who are working for me. That I'm not among those who cause separation within my neighborhood. God, I'm not among those who turn a blind eye to the needs of our community. And that's challenging as the church. But it's where we should be. This is the kind of fast that God is calling, that our eyes are not turned inward into us, but our eyes are turned outward because we're denying ourselves, and now we say, okay, God, how do you want us to participate in this broken world around us? And so what he does is he goes on and he says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own flesh, to not turn that blind eye? Our response is to begin reaching out. And I love that the part of the DNA and part of the culture of Life Church is already the Life Community Center where we've got some great ways for this to happen. But it has to be part of our own individual, heartfelt part of our lives to say, God, this is just who we are. It's not something that the church has programmed and ready to go, but it's something that is absolutely part of who I am. Now remember this, you know, not to share your, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house and see them naked to cover them? Reminds me a whole lot of what Jesus himself is saying in Matthew 25. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you, and see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did you see a stranger and welcome you are naked and clothe you. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, then truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Folks, Jesus' eyes were always turned out. Always. And fasting breaks the hold of that bondage in our own life that keeps us looking inward. And allows us to say, okay, God, as we deny ourselves, fill that hunger and that desire that we have with that godly hunger and desire that you have for those who don't yet know you. So God, how can I participate? God, how can I reach those who don't know you yet? Um, So perhaps God will challenge you. Maybe your life group will be challenged. 
to join uh, some of the things we do have already set here at Life Church. Isaiah Calling goes out every other week to uh, downtown to reach the homeless. Um, that's something that you can, you can participate in and be a part of. We've got our after-school program, which is reaching the most vulnerable in our society, right next door to the church for those who just need that extra help uh, for their kids. We've got the farmer's market starting up again in uh, February. These are all ways that we can participate in reaching, but sometimes we're blind to them because we're so focused on ourselves. And the very last thing that there's an awareness of is this awareness of God's presence. Isaiah 58, remember this is after we're turned out, after our eyes are turned off of ourselves. Then it says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and then your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Folks, that is the last part of the fasting. The first part is not about all the good spiritual feeling. This is the last part of it where God leads us and guides us and bring light, uh, brings light to our steps, allows his righteousness to flow through us into a broken world, and then we recognize that God is with us. Some of you need a spiritual breakthrough. Some of you need this moment where fasting can be a catalyst in your own life for a breakthrough, to break those bondages we talked about, to break through uh, some of those things that kind of hold on to us. Others of you, that breakthrough, the very thing that you need is to turn your eyes off of your own and to turn it towards others. That's the kind of fast that God would desire. So here is our response. Here's our response as a church. Now, we're not going to make a whole lot of fanfare. We're not going to have you sign up for fasting or things like that. I don't think that's what we need to do today because this is something I believe between you and God. And so fasting is not an end unto itself, but a means of focusing our minds and bodies for a spiritual reason, for a preparedness, uh, for a purpose that might be uh, not tomorrow, not next week, but maybe it's next year that God is preparing you through a new normal of fasting in your life for something you've never thought possible. And so three fasting suggestions for us at Life Church. I'm going to invite Mike to come on up here as we uh, close out here. Always need some good music right at the very end here, right? So three fasting suggestions. Number one, it, well, we got food, media, and financial. Food, media, and financial. Uh, number one, through this week, through the next seven days, uh, some of you need to choose. You would say, all right, I'm going to give up a particular meal. I'm not encouraging you, by the way, to do seven days of fasting. I think there's some preparation that needs to go into that. If you've never fasted before, that if you don't do, uh, will we'll end dif in difficulty for you. If you think, today I'm going to start fasting, I'm going to fast for seven days. Please don't do that. If you're interested in that, come talk to me and we can talk through some strategies to make that happen. Uh, but it's not a good idea to just go seven days right now. But what you can do, and I think would be available to all of us, is to pick uh, a, a meal, like lunches all week long, that you say, I'm going to fast a lunch, deny myself uh, during lunch all week long, and during that time, I'm going to replace that time of prayer or that time of eating, and this is the important part of a fast, I'm going to replace it with a focused time with the Lord, my relationship with him. 
So in prayer and meditation, opening up the word, allowing grace to extend through you, right? That, that you take that time, if it's a half an hour or 15 minute break or whatever that time is, that you're wolfing down that food, that you're saying, okay, instead of eating in this moment, I'm going to spend that time praying. It might be that you choose to have dinners that way or breakfast, whatever is sacrificial for you that makes you remember that you're, if it's a meal that you skip all the time, don't say I'm going to fast that meal. That's the easy way out, right? I'm going to fast that meal. I never take it anyway. It'd be like me trying to fast breakfast. I really, that's bad. I know you're supposed to eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast, but if I say I'm going to fast breakfast, really not a big deal for me, right? But if I say I'm going to fast lunch, that's a big deal. I like a good lunch. So uh, take that time to pray during that moment. Another one is this idea of media. And I know I pick on media from time to time and all of that, but I do think in our culture, it's okay to take a season of sacrifice away from that and allow yourself to be able to be focused on the Lord. For some of you, that media is uh, the binge watching of some Netflix thing for six hours a day. But Pastor, you want me to pray six hours? Yes, I do. <laughs> fill that time, right? Because you, you obviously felt you had the time to be able to fill it with binge watching. You might as well fill it with something that brings more value to your life than that. And yeah, that sounds pretty harsh, but that's the reality, folks, right? The choices that we make matter. The time that you'd normally be spending getting that cramp, cramp in your thumb, As you're kind of scrolling through there, take that time when you start to do it and say, God, no, I'm going to give this time to you and take 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, one minute, whatever it is, and say, God, I'm dedicating this to you because this is important to me. And the last one um, is this idea of financial. Uh, Think through how you spend your money. Think through where that money goes during the week. Sometimes if you have... um, um, some money that is uh, expensable or you're going, oh, it doesn't really matter where this goes. And so you end up spending it on not wise things. Maybe this week you're taking an extra look at that and going, okay, God, how can I change my spending habits and make this a fast where I'm disciplining myself to give to you? So how does this giving take place? Um, so I'm thinking right now of my Starbucks habit. It's a bad habit. I need to go. It's like our Thursday night program and help me out here, right? Um, it's, it's a bad habit. And so what I'm looking at doing this week, just so I'm going to take that, whatever I'm going to be spending on, on uh, Starbucks during the week, about $700. No, not really. Um, t- taking whatever that is during the week and saying, okay, God, that is going to show up in the food drive that's going to be taking place next Sunday. God, that's going to show up by, by purchasing food and having that be, isn't that exactly what, uh, what Isaiah challenged us with? Is not this the fast that God has called us to do to recognize the needs around us? And so the challenge is, it's going to be laid for all of us, is to take a look at what we can do in response and say, God, I'm skipping this meal. How is this impacting other people? It's because I'm going to be gathering food from my home that I will, otherwise I'd be eating and I'm going to be giving it the non-perishable canned food items, bringing it here next Sunday to Super Sunday and we're going to make an impact and a difference in the lives of so many people through the Life Community Center. I want to say thank you in advance for that. Can you stand to your feet real quick as we close out? Listen to what was said uh, from a early church manuscript written about 150 AD. So this is a long time ago, but listen, this is the, and out, of the, uh, out of the letters called Shepherd of Hermas. And it says this, having fulfilled what is written in the day on which you fast, you will taste nothing. And this one was a nothing but bread and water. 
And having reckoned up the price of the dishes of that day, which you intended to have eaten, you will give it to a widow or an orphan or to some person in want. And thus you will exhibit humility of mind so that he who has received benefit from your humility may fill his own soul. I really like that, right? This becomes the fast for us, that it becomes a fast of replacement, (laughs) that what we deny and sacrifice, we're able to then turn around and give to a community that's in desperate need. I just want to say thank you in advance uh, for that kind of humility being expressed from here in the body of Christ at Life Church. Every head bowed, every closed for just a moment. Father, thank you for for this afternoon. God, I'm grateful for this community of faith. And Jesus, as you make us more into your image, help us, God, with this final discipline, this new normal of fasting. That, God, it would be accessible to us, God, in a new way. That, Jesus, we would be able to look at this as a discipline, God, of drawing ourselves to you. And so, God, help us to determine in our own hearts how we're going to fast this week. Take a moment, just think through how you're going to fast this week. Father, whether it's uh, denying ourselves a meal or a a financial obligation that we feel or uh, something dealing with the media culture around us that we would separate from for a season, we focus on you. Who would say here today, Pastor Rich, I intend this week to fast something uh, during this week, uh, meals or media or somehow in a financial realm. If that's you, can you just lift your hand really quickly? Lift up those hands, man. Thank you so much. So many hands raised. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I believe. I believe that out of this, God, I believe, uh, Lord, that you're going to do some supernatural work among us. God, we don't fast to get you to move, but God, we fast because you have already moved in our lives. And God, we long to be aware of the needs around us. We long, oh God, to be aware of your presence in new ways. And so God, we choose this week to deny ourselves and give you our best. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory and the honor. You got excited about the work that you're doing in Life Church Utah. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Don't forget to uh, say goodbye to uh, Pastor Dustin and Heather out in the lobby. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Super Sunday and the start of a new series on the book of Philippians. God bless you.